0: Well, if you would, please open your Bibles to Proverbs uh, chapter 11. You will have noticed we've divided up Proverbs 11 into uh, smaller sections. We're going to finish Proverbs 11 this morning. Uh, We will begin at Proverbs 11, verse 23. Proverbs 11, 23. And little theologians, I want you to just be thinking about a very long journey. A very long journey. I'm not sure how you draw that. But this passage describes life as a journey, so draw a picture of a long journey. We're looking this morning at Proverbs chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. Before I endeavor to preach this passage, which I think presents quite a few challenges, let's let's bow our knee before God. Let's ask Him to help us in the preaching of His Word. Would you join me? Our Holy Father, uh, Your Word needs spiritual discernment. You do not speak as the wisdom of the world. Your wisdom is spiritual wisdom. It is life-giving. It is life-securing. Now, Father, would You... In the presence of this body, utilize my lips for your purpose that I might be able to explain your wisdom appropriated by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is a Proverbs 11, beginning at verse 23. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner This is the word of our Lord. Every now and again King Solomon will uh, preach to us in a way that as I bring the word to this pulpit, I'm unsure how exactly, not just to explain the word, but to actually push back against how you want to explain the word. There's aspects of this passage that kind of play into our expectations in such a way that we assume we understand what King Solomon is saying here. And as I preach this morning, I have to push back against some of those assumptions. And I want to begin by a road trip illustration. Uh, if If you told your kids that you were going to take them to Disney World, everyone gets excited about that, of course, but then when you stop the car arriving at your destination and your destination was not Disney World but Quilt World, that wouldn't be good, would it? I mean, even the child who uh, just loves quilts, Disney World still better than Quilt World, I think. The destination is wrong. And uh, when the car stops and all the doors open, it's not going to take your kids very long to see, hey, the destination is wrong. But... What if you didn't exactly reach the destination, you're driving, you're on the way, and it's a very long way, and all the while you're telling your children, hey, we're going to Disney World, won't that be great? But you might know from the very beginning because you're driving that you're not going to Disney World, to go to Disney World you go south, you're going north. But kids, they can't read maps. They're just distracted in the back seat of the car Uh, anyway. In my case, it would be a a 1972 Mercury Villager station wagon with rear-facing rear seats. And I would just be sitting back there happily expecting to arrive at Disney World while my mom and dad, uh, they knew all the while, we're not going to Disney World. It's just a kid doesn't know how to read a map. They can't tell that we're going the wrong direction. They miss the fact that uh, Dad turned left when they should have turned right if they were really going to Disney World. They'd never know. That's not an issue of the destination, is it? Because the kids haven't arrived at the destination yet. That's an issue of the direction. They can't quite tell the direction of the car. And so they don't know that they're not going to Disney World. Destination and direction are two different things. Now that may sound like a, a, a waste of time to tell you that destination and, and direction are two different uh, characteristics. But we need to see that in this passage. Let me tell you what this passage is going to teach us, and I'll tell you why you need to understand that distinction. Here's what the passage is about The destination and direction of wisdom is always God's glory. The destination and direction of wisdom is always God's glory. Our calling is to rest in the direction. This passage is about the direction of wisdom. But when you and I read it at the the, first going, we think it's all about the direction. And what we miss is we miss the way that we need to live our lives day by day by day. Because when we read this passage, we, we become fixated on the destination and the promise of the destination, and we forget that Proverbs is practical, Proverbs is about everyday, ordinary wisdom. Proverbs is here to help the son of King Solomon and to help us walk through life in a God-glorifying way. Now, I need to tell you what I mean by being fixated on the destination. And let me begin. It's a two-part sermon. I want to talk about the destination, then I want to talk about the direction of our daily lives. The destination of wisdom... A real quick survey. Just look with me, would you please, at a few of these verses. Look at verse 23. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. Do you you see that the focus of verse 23 seems to be what comes in the end, the destination. There's a destination that is good, and there's a destination that is one of wrath. Look at verse 24, one gives freely yet grows all the richer, another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You see, there's a pairing there of two different destinations. Uh, One of those destinations is uh, always growing richer. Do you see that? We're in verse 24. One destination is just growing richer and richer, and then the other destination in verse 24 is suffering want, is actually not having What you want. Grows richer, suffers want. Look at verse 25. Verse 25 is all about a good direction. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. The one who waters will himself be watered. Enriching and being watered, those are destinations, things that come later when the mercury villager stops in the parking lot. Stay with me here. Look at verse 26. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. You see there's blessing at the end, uh, at, the end of the, at the end of the verse, and then there is a person who is cursed at the beginning of the verse. Two destinations. Verse 27, As someone uh, seems to have received good or favor. Someone seems to be on the path to receive evil. Verse 29, there's a, at the very end of the line, there is a blessing. The righteous will flourish like a green leaf, but there is some who will fall as a result of trusting their riches. Flourishing and falling in verse 28. In verse 29, there's only a bad destination, inheriting the wind. That's getting nothing, no inheritance. Like a servant, the word servant shows up in 29 as well. It's all negative, all a bad destination, all quilt world. But verse 30, right, it's all Disney World, isn't it? A tree of life produces good fruit. A wise person captures the souls of others. It's all about a good destination, a good future. And then verse 31, righteousness is what? It's righteousness in the future, isn't it? Righteousness is repaid. But then there's also a kind of repayment for the wicked and for the sinner, you see what King Solomon is doing here. You see how these destinations they seem to organize his thoughts. He's holding out what sound like to be these wonderful promises to his son. If you are wise, good things will happen to you, son. And if you are foolish, bad things will happen to you. There seems to be a focus on destination, but that's not the focus of these verses. It's not. What's the problem with all of these uh, destinations? Um, You don't have to be very cynical or skeptical to look at this passage and say, well, wait a minute, here's a problem. All of these destinations seem to be organized in a very neat and tidy way, but I know what it is like to live life, and I know that these destinations don't always unfold this way. I've been living long enough to know that life doesn't always work out like this. Parents, we should know this. Uh, When we instruct our children, uh, there is a part of us that says, look, if you do good, uh, good things are going to happen. But uh, we know as parents that you can do good, and it doesn't always guarantee that good things happen. It makes parenting a challenge, doesn't it? We can't tell the future. We don't own the future. We, we, we might be able to own a part of the present as we are uh, giving our kids uh, commands, but we can't count on the world working in a uniform way so that if our kids are good, good things will happen. Well, look, I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear me do this. I'm actually giving you cynics and skeptics permission now for a little while to be a little bit cynical, a little bit skeptical. I mean, just look at verse 23. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. Do do you believe that's always the case? A lot of words need to be defined in that passage, right? Righteous probably needs to be defined, but certainly good. What's good? But we know that sometimes we desire that which is righteous. We pursue that which is righteous, but the result may not be what we call good. How many of you have pursued righteousness in the workplace and it has not ended in good? Your honesty in the workplace has led to your marginalization at work, the loss of a promotion, some of us know what it's like to uh, be honest uh, and, and say to others, look, I am a believer. That's desiring righteousness. I'm a truth teller. This is who I am. And the result of that is a kind of persecution. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. Well, I guess I'd like a definition of what's good. Well, look at verse 24. I think this is a, a little bit more concrete. When I give freely, am I always growing richer? When I give freely, is the bank account actually growing? Uh, Some of us will will have testimonies like that. It seems as though the more I give away, the larger the bank account grows. And we're not saying it's impossible. We're just saying that it doesn't always happen. Uh, Very often, the person who uh, withholds his money, the person who is selfish, uh, he or she seems to have have more money than they know what to do with. They don't seem to suffer want at all they're selfish. They never give their money away. What does it say in verse 24? They suffer want. It also says that if I give more away, I grow richer. It says something like that. The Verse 28, and then I'll, I'll be more positive. Does someone who trusts in their riches always fall? You see that in verse 28? Don't we know people who trust in their riches We've known them for decades, and in decades I've never seen them fall. They trust in their riches, and they seem to get more and more and more. Many seem to do just fine, trusting in their riches. And again in verse 28, the righteous, they don't always flourish like a green leaf. Just think about this for a moment. These good destinations and these bad destinations, they can't be understood as promises in the sense that they are sure to happen in the present. The wise sometimes suffer horribly, even dying, and then the fool sometimes succeed magnificently right before our eyes. We know this. It's actually important to call this out. There actually is a need for this to be addressed in the life of the church. There are entire denominations that believe if you do the right thing, then you'll end up with what the world defines as good. You'll be wealthy. That is God's blessing. If you do these things, you'll be wealthy. And if you are wealthy, that confirms that you're a righteous person. There are denominations that believe that, preach that, and teach that. Is this the proof text? Well... What are we to make of these statements of destinations? You see now why I think it's important that we address this before we address the direction aspect. Let me say three things, and I hope that this is uh, helpful. I think they need to be fine-tuned. But let me say uh, three things about uh, how we are to understand these destinations rightly. The first is this. In the present, these destinations are generalizations. In the present, these destinations are actually generalizations. There is a general principle that wisdom will lead to better results than foolishness. We know it's not always the case, but generally speaking, we also know that earthly culture, the powers of the world to conform us, that that's getting worse and worse. World culture seems to be decaying, and that uh, worldly culture takes those things that are good and turns them into bad. Those things that are bad are elevated to be things that are good. And in a world like that, when I'm wise, sometimes it will go poorly for me in the present. But generally speaking, this is the principle. In the present, these destinations are generally true generally accurate. Okay, that's the first thing, right? We're just beginning. The second thing is this. In the present, these destinations are always constrained by God. This is really important. In the present, another statement about the present. In the present, these destinations are always constrained by God. When the fool gets what they deserve in life, the fool does something foolish and they get punished by God. The truth of the matter is, that they will get more than that later. If someone doesn't believe in Jesus, and so they live with utter disregard for the wisdom of Jesus, they refuse to fear God, they refuse to lean upon his understanding, and in their foolishness, they get bad things that are happening in this present life. Look, that's completely constrained by God. He has the freedom to allow that badness, make that badness happen, to withhold that badness. All of these things in the present, they're actually constrained by God. Look at verse 23 again. When wicked people intend wickedness, have wicked expectations, they will get wrath. That's what it says. But in the present, these destinations are always constrained by God. And so sometimes God will allow his wrath to inflict them in the present, but sometimes he doesn't. He's in charge of these destinations. If truth be told, if someone doesn't believe in Jesus and bad things happen to them, they actually deserve worse things to happen to them. In the last judgment, God will come and he really will judge them. The bad things that are happening to them in this life pale in comparison to God's judgment in the last days. In the present, these destinations are constrained by God. I mean, let's think about the wise person. Look at verse 23. When the righteous person desires righteousness and they get good, do you think they got good because they deserved it? Look at verse 23. If you're wise, you get good things. And when you get a good thing, is it because you deserved it? May it never be. Christian, may it never be. God gives out of his great grace. We don't get good and have the ability to say that we deserve good. God gives us life and breath and being. He is our all in all. God always gives to us out of the plenty of his grace. We can never say, God, look at this. I deserve this. I was good and look what I have. We never get to say that. In the present, these destinations are always constrained by God. The bad destinations really should be far worse if someone is truly wicked. And the good destinations for the righteous, they're never deserved destinations. When the wicked fall in the present or get evil or lose money or get cursed by the populace, in God's eyes, the wicked actually deserve much more worse than that. And when the righteous in the present get money, are blessed by the populace, receive favor, flourish, in God's eyes, they don't deserve any of this. This is very important. This is the second of the three things. The first is in the present, these destinations, they're generalizations. The second is this, in the present, these destinations are always constrained by God. Let me say a third thing, just to be clear. Why does King Solomon even lay these out before his son in his commands and in his instruction? The third thing is this. In the future, these destinations are personally secured by God. In the future, these destinations, they're actually secured by God. There will be no mistake at all. In God's eyes, living in wisdom isn't neutral God isn't saying that in the present just, you know, live as you want, do what you want. In God's eyes, wisdom's destination isn't shaky or uncertain. His children are intended for his personal glory in Jesus Christ. And so what we can say is this, is that wisdom is trusting God, revering him, following him. And as we do this, we are leaving the present benefits of wisdom entirely to him. God, you do with you, what, what you will with me in this life. I will live trusting you and revering you and following you. And whatever happens, happens according to your ordained will. I'm not going to be motivated by gaining earthly things. I'm going to trust and revere and follow. We say to our Heavenly Father, you don't have to make me rich in the present because I'm generous to others. And we say to our Heavenly Father that, Father, you have the right to punish me even when it looks as though I'm being wise and I feel like I'm being wise. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. A person can be wise and yet still be disciplined by God. God does this. But I do know this, God, that in my future... I'll be with you for all eternity and you will, be, you will bring to me more good than I can possibly imagine. You will make me richer beyond my, uh, my most extensive dreams. You will make me more blessed and more favored than I could ever be in this present age. You will make me flourish in ways that I cannot capture with my imagination. And in fact, then and only then will I be truly, truly wise. In the future, these destinations are secured by God. Now, I think that that's that's important. That's more than, than an excursus on this passage. It's putting the destinations in perspective so that we can set them aside and know that the destination and the direction of wisdom is always God's glory. And now let me talk about this. This is the second point. The direction of wisdom. This is the day-to-day life. This is the life in the back of that station wagon uh, waiting to arrive. Uh, This is the, the, the way in which we live in that station wagon with wisdom. I know the metaphor is wearing thin, but this is about what we are to do today. This is who we are as Christians. Now, I want you to give me a little bit of freedom here to understand the practical import of these verses. And I wanna offer three things that guide our direction in the present. We're setting the destination aside that belongs to God. We're not we're not making grandiose statements about the things that I might be able to guarantee myself by living a certain way in the present, but we must talk about how to live in the present. And I wanna say three things. They're subjective a little. I think that King Solomon is speaking to a son in a very poetic vein, and it's difficult to understand what exactly is the uh, practical implication of his teaching to a son in these verses. I want to say three things. Desire, scatter, and capture. Okay? Desire, scatter, and capture. I want you to look at verse 23. King Solomon says, Son, I want you to desire wisdom. You see, the desire of the righteous ends only in good. We're setting aside that that destination. King Solomon is telling his son that he's not simply to be the kind of person who acts in a wise way, but actually desires wisdom. And the reason this word is so important is because in the Hebrew, it's filled with emotion. We're to yearn for wisdom, crave wisdom, strive for wisdom. It's a passionate word. It's longing That's part of the application of this passage. I think that this is what's also behind verse 27. You see there, whoever diligently seeks good. Diligently. You know, pastors are told to minister not under compulsion, but willingly. And we are to yearn for and desire wisdom. We're not to look at wisdom as just a checkbox. We desire God's wisdom. It's the first thing. You, you see, it's, it's, it's in a poetic vein. He doesn't tell us exactly what that desiring looks like, but he uses a passionate word. The second one is scatter. Remember, desire, scatter, capture. Look at verse 24. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. That giving freely, it's not just giving something pulling something out of my pocket and handing it over. It's literally scattering. This is where the ESV, I think, makes a mistake. Verse 24, it is about scattering something. Again, it's passionate. It's to share what you have, but to share by throwing it far and wide. I think this is what's behind verse 26. A blessing is on the head of him who sells it, who sells that grain, makes it available. Verse 28, whoever trusts in his riches will fall. I won't be the kind of person who trusts in my riches. I'll scatter my riches. Maybe verse 25 is about this. To bring a blessing is how we are enriched. To water others is how we are watered. I wonder if this is Romans chapter 12 or 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everything that we do in our life as Christians is to serve the common good. We're scattered. Scattering our resources and our time and our energy for the good of others. We're desiring wisdom. We're scattering ourselves and we're capturing others. Verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and whoever captures souls is wise. That's wisdom. Capturing souls. I am... I'm not going to apologize for this. I see in verse 30 a picture of evangelism. We are to grow, we're to produce fruit, but if that fruit is, is, uh, is not uh, known by its ability to draw others, what good is that fruit? I wonder about verse 29, to trouble a household is to disorder that household. But we should live in our households in which we are ordering our household, capturing the attention of our friends and family members so that they might inherit something better that they might inherit what they inherit in the gospel. In Proverbs chapter 1, there's a trap. You remember? It's set by wicked people, and they set a trap that they might entice sinners. But we're to set a different kind of trap as Christians. We're to capture others. That's what we're called to do with wisdom. Wisdom. We are desiring wisdom with all of our heart. That's where our heart is, brother and sister. And we're scattering ourselves that we might uh, do good for others. And we are seeking to capture the lost. To draw them into the presence of God through the life of Christ. Nobody did this like Jesus. He desired the will of the Father. It wasn't just a checkbox or a manual to him. He desired the Father's will. And he scattered the seed of the gospel. He came to preach, didn't he? But he gave of himself. He set aside even himself that he might minister to others. And then he captures the souls of God's children. He pours out his blood that they wouldn't have to. That may sound all over the place, desire, scatter, and capture. But would you think about that over the next few days? This is what we are to do as Christians. Let's not get lost in the destination. Let's instead think about desiring wisdom, scattering self, capturing others. This is wisdom. Would you join me in prayer? Father, King Solomon has words for us that are difficult for us to ascertain. Would you give us understanding by your Spirit? Would we not look at wisdom as a task to perform? Would we yearn for it? Would we not look at our possessions as things to keep, but would we scatter them? And would we not look at the world as just passers-by, but would we capture them with the gospel?